welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Today we are looking at chapter 2 of Paul's letter to the Ephesians and I'm going to go wild and read the whole of the chapter from the message version. So here we go. Are you ready? Ephesians 2. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in the old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in this same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. But instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did this all on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and sat us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. And if we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of the rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. But now, because of Christ, dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. The Messiah has made things up between us that we're now together on this. Both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall that we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals, and so he made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You are no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the Christian name as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. 
He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. And now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as a cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. You are never alone. If you're sat at home on your own watching me say this and you're feeling alone and I say you're not alone, if you're anything like me, you'll probably roll your eyes and throw something at the telly. It's one of the world's most emotive statements and one thrown at us by so many, particularly in the last four or five months. And during the last few months, we've been confronted with ourselves in a whole new way, perhaps literally living on our own, Perhaps we've been forced to confront ourselves by those we've been in lockdown with. Or perhaps you've had to confront yourself in respect of our changing roles in our changing society and communities. And over summer as a church, we are looking to one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the ancient churches, Ephesians, a letter written to and for the church of Ephesus. In this letter, which Paul wrote from his very own lockdown, in prison for a faith in Jesus, in a society that worshipped loads of other gods, he speaks to our identity as Christians and what this means for the church. And in chapter two of this letter, which we've just read, Paul tells us that we are not alone. You are not alone. It's what we all long to hear. But when it's not genuine, it's overwhelmingly hollow. Maybe your reaction is, I'm well aware, I've been surrounded by these people for four months and I can't get away, desperate for some space and breathing room. Maybe those words are comforting, or maybe they sting because you've never felt so alone and disconnected during this overwhelming time. Maybe it's a bit of both. You're surrounded by people but still feel cripplingly isolated. But hear me out. I know I'm on a screen, but I am real, a real human, and you are real too. And you are in the presence of a real God in your home right now. Because you are not alone. These words, spoken in truth and digested with care, are changing my life. And it will change yours too. You see, the principle is simple, but it's these simple things that we build our whole lives on. And when things get wobbly, which the world is, we've got to look at the foundations. And my darkest moments in life and in the last few months have been when I felt isolated and alone. And gosh, have I experienced that recently. Let's get real for a moment here. When I think of my worst moments, those moments when I felt utterly hopeless, those can I even carry on moments, those scrape yourself off the bathroom floor moments, there are loads of different themes involved in them, but there's one big old common denominator. That is, when things are at their worst, one specific earworm has crawled into my head and made itself at home. The one that says you're alone. When everything is looking uncertain and unkind and unfamiliar, like so much has during this time, when I'm stressed or overwhelmed, this last thought pops into my head and I feel utterly alone. I feel isolated. I feel separate somehow. I can deal with most stuff most of the time, but if I'm on my own, no, I can't. As soon as I feel alone, cut off from others, I feel vulnerable and in danger and I want to call it quits. We've all heard the immortal phrase, divide and conquer. Split someone off from a group and they're a goner. And this works. The places my head goes when I feel alone. Maybe some of you can identify with some of these moments over the last few months. 
But then maybe a text comes from a friend, or maybe I scoop myself up and muster the little pep I have left to listen to a worship song. Or somewhere in the corner of my mind, a promise from God raises its head. A little bit of light creeps in, a little bit of hope. I allow myself to remember the truth, which isn't always easiest at first, that I am not alone. God is with me. There is a committed church family around me. That small bit of light creeps in. And what we all know about light to be true is true. And soon it's flooding out the darkness. The perspective lost in my isolation and loneliness is regained by the presence of Jesus and connection with another. Joy and strength floods back in and peace returns. Does it stay forever? No. Have I found this to be a bit of a cycle during lockdown? Yes. Does it get a bit easier every time? Pretty much. Yes, he's in the thunderclaps and his power is demonstrated in storms and mountains and crashing waves and mighty miracles and epic stories and huge moves of the spirit. But he is in the everyday moments closer than we can imagine. He dwells in our kitchens and our living rooms and our bedrooms and our bathrooms. He pours over our diary pages and through the sunlight in our windows. He dwells in us and with us. There is nothing that can separate us from the Holy Spirit. His presence is light and his light pierces darkness and his death on the cross means that intimacy with a God dictates our ultimate destiny. We are creatures made for relationship. It's part of God's design. And in this chapter in Ephesians, Paul is declaring us to be all part of one family. Our human yearning for community, to be connected with the other, is answered here. Under Jesus, we are all one big family. His unified church, actively inclusive, peaceful and dedicated to each other, that we might reflect in all our diversity and unity, the full glory of Christ that we could not possibly display, understand or fathom without tearing dividing walls down. What a word for today. God is building a home and you belong here. You are not alone. You might be stuck at home, but you are not alone. You are not home alone, which is great news because sidebar and unpopular opinion, I hate all the home alone films. So sorry, not sorry. We might not all be in the same room, but we are still in this together. When we decide to follow Jesus, not only do we get to become a part of a big old messy and weird and wonderful church family, but Christ, through the Holy Spirit, dwells not just with us, but in us. We read again and again in Paul's letters that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Our lives are gathered up with Christ. He is in us and he is around us in community. In verses 1 to 6, we read that before we were spiritually dead, but then the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave now courses through our bodies too. He lives in you. So if you're like me and you've had some pretty hopeless moments during this season, and when you're feeling isolated and alone, remember, resurrection life flows through your veins. God is always with you. You are surrounded by a bunch of scrappy saints, the word Paul uses for Christians, called Emmaus Road Church. I try to remember that by God's grace, he dwells in me and around me and that I am never alone. 
in those moments, I try very hard to remember that though I'm a bit scrappy on the outside, by God's grace, I am holy in the middle. And this means that even when I feel my most alone, I can try and stand up again in the truth that God is with me, in me and around me. In verses 14 to 17, this is taken from the NIV this time, we read, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. See, Ephesus was a huge city with a big port and pretty much the epicentre of worship for all the Greek and Roman gods. The cityscape would have been dominated by the temple of Artemis, an Olympian goddess of fertility, with Jews and Gentiles and Romans and Greeks all living and worshipping different gods in different ways. And in Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, the holiest place for the Jewish people, there was a three-metre barrier dividing the inner courts of Israel from the court of the Gentiles, keeping the chosen people, the Jews of God, separate from everyone else. Here, Paul is declaring and reminding the church in Ephesus that because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, this wall has been torn down alongside hostility, uniting all humanity with each other and with God no more division. He dwells in you, he is with you, and you are surrounded by a united family. We are one body, loved by God as individuals and as one community. You belong here. God is building his church and you belong here. What does being amongst and in the presence of a loving God and loving community bring? It brings peace. The dividing walls come crashing down. As the walls come crashing down, God's presence in us and amongst us and in the presence of those around us means we become peacemakers. And what's the most important thing a peacemaker can be? Present. Present are the peacemakers. Peacemakers are a lot of things, but first and foremost, they are present. They show up. We've got to get up close to see peace in our communities. We can't just tell the world they aren't alone. We have to show them. Life is perhaps a little scarier up close, but it's beautiful. Maybe I just have personal space issues and social distancing has rescued you all from me being super close to you. But have you noticed that when you get really close to someone's face, you can see flaws, sure, but people are even more wonderful looking. You can properly see people and they can see you and it's vulnerable. And we make ourselves vulnerable when we're seen and see up close. But I've genuinely never met anyone who isn't beautiful close up. This is what the wars coming down means. God tore down the walls that he might be present with us and that we might be present with each other, that we might be united and find the beauty in each other. You are not alone. We are not alone. And in Acts, we learn about the church becoming the great unifier. And Paul is reminding of us, reminding us of this again in his letter. But we don't get to talk about unity without talking about justice. 
In a world that is increasingly afraid of intimacy, divided, suspicious of the other, cancelling those who get it wrong, a generation longing to be seen and to find the humanity in the other, for closeness and authenticity. The table, a symbol of community and presence, is the revolution the world is waiting for. And guess what? Jesus, God, chose to be a carpenter. Jesus' whole job was literally and metaphorically to make tables. He spent his whole life building tables in weird places. The table in the home will become the controversial, subversive, countercultural mission field. The neighbour is to be the most important figure in our lives. True connection, real lives, real mess, real grace, real joy. And I can't wait to have people in our home around our table. And as the world goes online, the church will go to our homes and we will open our front doors. When we are allowed and all safely, I must stress. But present are the peacemakers. Our humanity is miraculous because God dwells in you and around you in community. You are never alone. Find the humanity in everyone you meet, see, hear, come across, watch on the TV, buy something from, the people who wrote and sing the music you listen to, pass in the street. Find the humanity in the person who made your sofa, your desk, your laptop, your coffee, who grew your food. Find and acknowledge their humanity and the rest will begin to flow. You will begin to see God in you and around you everywhere. Your heart for justice will be driven by your search for the humanity in the other. This letter is written from Paul to the saints at Ephesus. Well, you are a saint of Woking or Guildford or Aldershot or wherever you are. If the gospel is to mean anything at all, we have to live it out locally. More than ever, we need to be in touch with our own humanity and recognising it in each other, in our neighbours, those in our homes or those we meet at the supermarket or those who deliver our post. Because our faith is not for the individual, it's communal. And if one part of the body is suffering, none of us will flourish. Don't just do you, do us. So we pray, we repent, we lament, we learn, we listen. We do the work with Jesus on our own hearts, attitudes and prejudice. And as we do that, God will reveal himself in everyone and everything. You will find him. You are never alone. In a world that dehumanizes, Christ sees the human and speaks love, life and destiny over them. If you choose to do that every day, wherever you go, we will see systems changed. If you acknowledge Christ in you and around you, systems will change. If you choose to speak love, life and destiny over everyone you know, systems will change. Walls will be torn down, divisions healed and communities unified. Ephesians is a book of two halves and we read who we are and then how to live. To live this life of peacemakers, to demonstrate peace, we need to come back to the truth that we are not alone. Practically, how can we remember that we are not alone, that we are surrounded? Well, when I have these moments when I feel truly isolated and afraid, I ask myself, whose voice is it that is telling you that you are alone? I bet you it's not Jesus's. I bet you it's not a kind voice. And the voice of God is always loving. Notice whose voice it is and remind yourself of the voice that always speaks truth. And that voice is the voice of God. And he promises that he is always with you. One of God's names is God with us, Emmanuel. God is with you. Something else to do, Jill Webber, she's a very wise woman, and she's always getting us to ask ourselves these three questions. Where do I see God working in me? 
Where do I see God working through me? And where do I see God working around me? I found answering these questions, even if they are tiny things, remind me that God is always with me and working around me. And if this is true, I can't possibly be alone. Reality test the isolation that you feel. And thirdly, reach out. It's not easy, but life really is to be lived up close. Reach out to someone else. Reach out with not just the hope that you might receive, that you might give. That you might bless someone with a phone call, a card, a knock on the door, an invitation for a walk or a socially distanced coffee. Remember God is building something and you belong here. You are not alone. Even in lockdown, even as it eases and things are uncertain, this is certain. Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you that you might seek humanity in the other and be peacemakers in your town. It's the presence of God that we must recognize in ourselves and in the precious lives of those around us. It was God in human skin that saved us all. And it is God in human skin that we must continue to seek.